Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome. To the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program. Glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter at MGianotto. Mark. Good day, sir. Well, I don't know if it classifies as a as the biggest bomb. I don't know where it'll fall in line when we look back on the year 2023 in sports, where today's golf news will land on like the bombshell news scale. Like I don't think it's like the biggest bombshell news sports news ever. Maybe in golf, but like. I suspect we'll have other bombshells that'll be bigger throughout the rest of 2023, potentially. You know, like free agency in NBA or, you know, something in the NFL, you know, the upcoming NFL season or college football, someone conference leaves, realignment. say someone leaves a conference. Like, this is clearly not as big of a story to me as USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12. But I'm going to be honest, you know, when you, when you wake, when you're up in the morning and then you're just, one one of those stories that truly kind of just blindsides you and blindsides everyone else, like there's no ramp, no runway up to it almost. Uh, man, maybe it's just me as the the journalist inside of me. I love, I love those stories. I love when it happens. And so this morning was... Uh, I don't know. It was just exciting when you get the news that the PGA Tour and Liv, uh, after this feud of multiple years, all of a sudden just show up on CNBC kumbayaing it up and starting this new endeavor uh, in that could, you know, very well, you know, really does change Americans, uh, American sports as we know it in terms of the Saudis being involved with an entire professional league. It's happened in, you know, overseas already. With like F one and things like that, yeah, but but like they've they've entered sports like that. I mean, I guess the closest thing that this is similar to is kind of like buying up soccer players. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like guys, let's let me lay this out as simply as I can. 
the Saudis just bought a professional sport. That's a perfect way to start off Tell the Truth Tuesday. Not a team. <laughs> they didn't buy in to become like a title sponsor. They bought a stake. Well, they're going to be a minority stakeholder. Right, but I guarantee they're going to be the biggest stakeholder. Well, to them, the PGA Tour is going to maintain a majority of the board seats, it appears. Um, but a lot, a lot to dive into, and it relates to Memphis because this has been the host of a PGA Tour stop since 1958. It's a PGA Tour town through and through. It is, as uh, Jack Sammons told me earlier today, the general chairman, it is our, our, you know, if you consider the tournament a professional sports franchise, it's our longest-running professional sports franchise in the city of Memphis, it's the golf of, tournament. It's one of the longest continuous in the tour P- stops on the PGA Tour. On the PGA Tour. So this affects Me- this this will affect Memphis. How? We'll dive into that here in a second and tell the truth Tuesday. Also talk a little Grizzlies as well. 240 or so. Tim Murray is going to join the show from VEASAN like he always does on Tuesdays. Uh, 3 o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Um, among other things, Jeffrey, the Oakland A's, uh, remember that their, their whole move to Las Vegas was like seen as like, done deal, you know? Wasn't this just last week that they <laughs> thought it was like done? Well, maybe not so fast. Uh, we got an update on that. Also, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the baseball super regionals coming up. Mm. One, the controversy of who should host Southern Miss or Tennessee has been fascinating to watch play out on social media. And two, have you seen the the what's happening in at Indiana State with their regional that they were supposed to host and why they're you mean not they're hosting. super regional, super regional, and why they're not hosting it. Is they're playing? They're playing in a minor league park. Uh, well, it's to be determined. But I want to dive into that in the list as well, and then uh, maybe we'll talk a little finals and you know finals in both the, the two finals that are going on because last night there was game two of the Stanley Cup Finals, and sadly, uh, excuse me, the Stanley Cup. So you know how the NBA is the finals? Correct. It's the Stanley the Cup, Cup final. final. It's not a. Yeah. It's, there's no S. Um, Which actually, when you think about, it, makes more sense. Yeah, I think that's right. Because the finals, like, it's a series. I like both, though. I like, I like that both. I, I like that both entities are very like uh, territorial about. You know, it's the finals in the NBA, and it's so you're just the a sucker. Stanley Cup. You're just final. a sucker for marketing. Yes, because like the but only reason why the NBA marketing, like, like tradition, like something that is like you know, the, the something that is based on tradition or like old fashioned something. I mean, the only reason why the NBA calls it the finals is because they've trademarked it. Yes. Okay, you're right. But don't ruin it for me. I'm just. I know. Like, I know. You're giving me the. Don't wheel. act like. Don't. Rom- it's tell the truth Tuesday. You're telling the truth. Don't romanticize something that's corporate. <laughs> <laughs> um. But we'll get it. I turned it on, and then watched Vegas just obliterate the Florida Panthers. And it's like, oh boy, this series might be done. We really need. We really need the final. They, they didn't. De- the Panthers didn't deliver like the Miami Heat did. Like their South Florida brethren did the night before. I'm far from a hockey expert. I just don't like the vibes of in two games you've gotten beaten so badly that the only thing left to do is to start a fight. That feels like you're you're done. The hockey people I know are like this ain't just I know the old saying is it hasn't started till you lose a, a home game yeah. but like yeah, man those those games in Vegas like you know it's they when you watch a hockey game and now we've seen it twice in a row when it feels like it was a lot like watching TCU in Georgia where Every time TCU got a first down, it felt like a miracle. It feels like the the, the ice was tilted yes. one direction. It, it, <laughs> That's what it felt like in those games. Everything that the Panthers do feels excruciatingly yeah. difficult. Yeah. 
and Vegas looks like they're barely trying. Yeah, so we'll, we'll dive into the NBA Finals because we, we, we really need it to be compelling, even though there should be a game tonight and there's not. Um, it's tomorrow night. We'll be game three. But let's start. I, I think we should start, though. We don't usually we don't start a lot of shows outside of FedEx St. Jude Championship Week with golf, but like, I think this is a big enough story that like I, I've, I've been personally invested in it because it, it is – while it is a ridiculous story in some ways, the, this whole live PGA Tour feud that probably should have been completely avoided by and large, like we didn't need to go through these past few years. Now that we have gone through these past few years, like the whole boardroom drama of it all, if you will, or courtroom drama of it all has always fascinated me because like ultimately we haven't had many actual on-course like Incidents, altercations, Ooh. moments. It's all been like behind a microphone or in a courtroom. But or Mark, that's just because golf is played by nothing but class acts. Yeah, that's true. Gentlemen and class acts. That's true. Like the closest we got was Brooks winning the PGA to like a real actual like tete-a-tete. Yeah, but even like that's the other thing. And even then, by then, based on today's news, I'm pretty sure behind the scenes there was uh, – some discussions going on about a merger at that point. Well, and there's also been, I don't know if you can call them reports because no one's been able, I guess, to put it on paper, but Brooks explored coming back to the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Like, Brooks is in a different category than if Phil wins. Yeah. Well, if you weren't aware, here's the official news. The PGA Tour, DP World Tour, and Live Golf Series which have been embroiled in a bitter legal battle for more than a year, have agreed to unify and move forward in a larger commercial business, they announced Tuesday. Uh, They've called it, this has been dubbed, the word stunning has been thrown around in pretty much every article I've read by by golf writers. Stunning development um, is considered a, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple years. This is what PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan said to CNBC on Tuesday. Who's instigated a lot of that tension there, Jay? What we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. We've recognized that together we can have a far greater impact on this game than when we can working apart. Than we can working apart. The game of golf is better for what we've done here today. Um, The landmark deal between the Tours and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund was reached without the knowledge of many PGA Tour members and live golf players and agents. Many or any. Well, they, can't, they probably can't say any because you know, you'd have to contact each one of yeah. them individually, but it sure feels like everyone was blindsided uh, by this news. And what there's a lot of questions, a lot of details to be ironed out. Like, is this going to be now one overarching golf tour? Is it going to be like live golf is in the fall and, you know, PGA? The Aramco PGA Tour? Like, what this actually looks like is... No one knows. Like I, you know, I talked to the folks over at the FedEx St. Jude Championship. I mean, they had no idea this was coming. You know, like I don't think very many people at all knew that this was in the works, and so therefore, no one is quite sure what the structure is exactly going to look like, other than the PGA Tour has deter- you know has determined financially this is you know this is very obviously going to be a significant windfall for all the parties involved because you're going to infuse this Saudi cash into golf officially in an official, you know, not now, now it's not going to be injected into some renegade tour. It's going to be injected into your tour. Yeah. Like golf's tour, if you will. Um, and it's, I'm assuming a large, large sum of money 
overall when all said and done. Um, and so, you know, I think like to me, like having watched this played out, like I can under like there's a there's apparently a players meeting at I guess three o'clock our time yeah. our time in Toronto or outside Toronto where the RBC Canadian Open is taking place this week, which coincidentally is the tournament a year ago where Jay Monahan went on <laughs> CBS, CBS with Jim Nance and basically said how you know. Ask you, yourself. Ask yourself if you've ever had to apologize it, for playing on the for PGA playing, Tour. Yeah, he basically he he used that Saudi card hard. Yes. You know, like he played it hard. Uh, that like this is blood money that they're taking, and you know we're the altruistic uh, charity organization, nonprofit organization that's been around forever, and you look can at all trust. The, look at all the good the PGA Tour's done. Yeah, and now a year later, he's joined forces with those very people. Um, he was sitting on CNBC next to the chairman of the public investment fund. And, and you know, that that tournament a year ago, remember Rory won and the crowds were going nuts and it was like... Rory JT it, showdown. It was, yeah, it was, and it was one of those things where, you know, you came out of it going, well, Liv can't recreate that. Like, the, only the PGA Tour has that, you know? And, well, and also don't forget, Rory, that was Rory's 20th tour win, mm-hmm. tying him with Greg Norman. Yeah, and, and he, and made, he, like, he yeah. put the dig in. And and well, also and I, Greg Norman appears to have not be involved anymore. No, no. Well, and Rory, I think probably has the right to be the most upset about this. He stuck his neck out the most of any golfer defending the PGA Tour, kind of calling out Live for you know the money they the type of money that they were you know being funded by, you know, and now to have the commissioner. Seemingly in the dark of night, orchestrate this merger, and I, my guess is Rory might be one of the golfers who did know ahead of time. That's why you can only say many golfers. Like, does it make does it maybe make more sense now that he had to take that break after the Masters? Like, maybe he found out around then, potentially, or uh, like my I, uh, like he hasn't talked about it much. Like he's he's, he's been at, he's, he's sidestepped questions about live so and everyone PGA keeps Tour. pointing to he has softened his stance on like Ryder Cup and mm-hmm. and whatnot I want everyone to also be clear on this he's no longer the chairman of the pack which is essentially being like the head of the players There's union yeah well, like it's well it's not a union because no, whatever yeah. yeah but it's like he is the number one representative of the players that's Adam Scott now mm-hmm. so once he no longer had to do that he didn't have to be the spokesperson. Correct. Yeah. Well, regardless. I disagree, though, that Rory should be the most upset. Well, there's a lot of guys on the PGA Tour who turned down boatloads of money from Liv who now, I mean, honestly, like guys like Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, don't they look like basically just to leave the PGA Tour for a year and a half, they got hundreds of millions of extra, extra dollars, and now they're going to be back on the PGA Tour. Yeah. I or think, whatever it's going to be called, whatever form it's going to take. They're going to be back on the best tour, if you will. If there is a quote-unquote winner other than whoever negotiated this deal, the I, I assume the bill the, – let's go over the real winners. The attorneys, mm-hmm. seems like they're, they're oh, going to be, be winning for a while. It feels like there's a windfall. Yeah, there's still more paper. Yeah. A lot of paperwork yeah, that's probably going to be involved in feels all this. Like, feels like the job's just starting. Yeah. You know, the job, job was not done with the outline Listen, of this agreement. There's billable hours is spelled with like yes. an infinity number of yes. S's in yeah, this that's case. Billable billions of hours. So the attorney's number one. I think you can say Dustin Johnson's the biggest player winner. 
because DJ seemed to be the only guy, because even Brooks initially, when he went over there, he was kind of confrontational and whatnot, but DJ never really got involved in a lawsuit. DJ didn't really get involved in the back and forth. DJ, DJ I don't. I wouldn't call him up front about what he was doing, but he wasn't like he didn't hide behind the like. I'm just trying to grow the game of golf. No, nonsense. he he said it was. I'm doing the thing that's best for my family. Like he yeah. he he sidestepped it, but like he didn't also like you know he didn't complain when he lost the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Like he just basically was like, they paid me 250 million dollars. So I'm gonna go do that. Yeah. Like he he basically did that. I think he's the biggest winner. I think we're missing though. One of the biggest losers. Mm. Everyone's going to point to Rory. Everyone's going to point to Spieth, Rom, guys that we know. JT, yeah. I don't know what. How do you categorize Tiger? I don't think I don't. I, I include him in a different like. Yeah, it sounds like they offered him like a billion got, dollars or something, like something close to that, maybe eight hundred million, something crazy. But like, he wasn't really playing during all this. These last two years. Yeah, so, like, I don't know that when they offered him $800 million, like, I don't know what that would look like. Did he have to play to get the money? I don't know. I do know who I think the biggest loser is, though. Okay. Hideki Matsuyama. Oh, wow. That's here's a, why that's Hideki is the one. biggest loser. For those that don't know, Japan is not a country that's flushed with natural resources. Therefore, they have to import a lot of natural resources. Japan has been doing business for Saudi or with Saudi Arabia for a very long time, and it's not considered taboo. It's just very, very normal. They basically threw about half a billion dollars at Hideki. It was like the type of money that everyone assumed Hideki was gone, and Hideki just stuck with the tour. To me, he is the single biggest loser because their whole idea was we've already, like, we have business. Like, for those that don't know, SoftBank is one of the big investment funds and whatnot. And they're the ones that put a lot of money in it. The head of SoftBank's a guy named Masa. He's Japanese. Mm. And so they were going to make Hideki the poster child for Liv. And he said no. Mm-hmm. To me, like, now, Hideki's also in a very unique category in which there have been stories written that because he's the first Japanese men's professional major winner, like, when not only winning a major, winning the Masters, like that was going to make him like a billion dollars over the course of his lifetime. Mm-hmm. But Hideki's my biggest loser in all of this. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because I've never really gotten into like I my stance on this has always been I would have preferred if these guys stayed on the PGA Tour. But the reason I lamented them leaving, uh, like. Li- I get it. Like Saudi Arabia is an unsavory place in yeah, some but like, regards, like, but like, like the, we deal with them as a country. It's not like North Korea. To when us. gas prices were skyrocketing, Joe Biden went over to Saudi Arabia on his hands, yeah. his knees, and said, "Can you give us some of that sweet oil so we can lower the gas prices?" Ultimately, they are still officially by the State Department classified as a strategic ally. I know they do some awful things over there, but like a lot of different businesses deal with them, and so I never really. Mark, well, progress is not linear. I've never really been like someone who's gotten up on again, I would prefer that they had stayed on the PGA tour and not taken this money. But I really lamented it more from the fact that I always looked at it from the Memphis perspective of like, damn, now Phil isn't gonna come back to Memphis. Damn, now Dustin Johnson's not gonna come back to Memphis. Damn, now Brooks Kepka's not gonna come back to Memphis. It like affected this event. That's how I looked at uh, it. we're contractually obligated to mention Patrick Reed and his wife. Patrick Green, Bryson, too. Bryson, all the people who left. Like, Liv got some really good golfers. And 
In particular, to me, it was the trio of Phil, Dustin, and Brooks. Because those guys came to Memphis consistently. They liked coming to Memphis. In fairness, though, it was unclear how many times Phil, Phil was good. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. He had Once it became a FedEx Cup playoff event, whatever. But Phil, like, you talk to people who work for that tournament. Like, Phil was a really important part of that tournament emerging from the post-Stanford debacle. Him coming here 1, every year thousand percent. was a really big deal for that tournament. And he would, not only would he come here... You know, this he is embraced the being the guy. This here. is the this is the greatest U.S. Open preparation. He'd, he'd yes. blow the course. Yeah, like it was no, just, he he embraced yeah, being oh. like the guy who loved Memphis and <gasps> the fans. He like he liked coming here. And Brooks Kepka liked coming here. He like quietly donated a lot of money to St. Jude over the years. Um, Dustin Johnson liked coming. You know, came here every year. You know, did did work with St. Jude as well. So. Um, I'm a little I, more and clear on the altruism of Dustin's desire to play here, but he liked Memphis. There. He, he liked Memphis. One twice here. Okay, that's did, what matters. He did like staying here. He liked Memphis. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I always looked at it from that aspect. And so my initial reaction to today's news was like, "Oh, great! We're going to get all the best guys again, not just the best in the FedEx Cup standings." You know, we're going to get hopefully. You know, this year it'll be the same. You know, it'll be what it. It's going to be because none of this is going to go into effect until at least next season. But that was my initial reaction. But then part of me was also like, okay, like as I thought more about it, it's like, okay, what is this going to mean for Memphis? Because that's ultimately like we're talking about this. Yeah, that's ultimately what matters here. And for me, is like you know the majors are going to be the majors, and like for me as the casual golf fan, you know, there's diehards obviously. Like you know, like I don't watch most of the tournaments. I'll like. Maybe watch the Memorial of the Players' Championship, the final round. But mostly I'm a Majors and Memphis guy. That's how I would describe my yeah. golf fandom. And I would say you are 80% of people that would watch golf. You know, and like just like you know, the, someone in Dallas would be like a Majors and the, Byron well, Nelson. They have a bunch, though. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. But my thought was, okay, like this, will be, this could be, and this would be my tell the truth, because I think so much is up in the air right now on a like, granular level like big picture yes they've announced they're doing this merger like on a week-to-week basis we have no idea what this is going to look we like. have no idea what the schedule is going to look like we have no idea like what the like is format like we have no idea but so i think there's one way in which this is great for memphis in that it'll enhance what we already have because all these great golf these great golfers who left for live will now be potentially back, potentially be yes. back playing in memphis I do wonder, though, if there's also a scenario where, like, part of why Memphis has been getting over, especially over the last five, ten years, like, why it became a World Golf Championship event and why it became a FedEx Cup playoff event was because FedEx basically told the PGA Tour, hey, if we're going to be the title sponsor of the PGA Tour and we're going to sponsor the FedEx Cup playoff, like, we want our home event to be, you know, one of the premier events on tour, like, one of the premier non-major events on tour. And the tour is like, yeah, hell yeah, you're going to give us all this money? Hell yeah, we'll make Memphis one of the premier non-major events. Well, now, uh, my gut tells me the Saudis are going to be do- going to be infusing a lot more money than FedEx into the PGA Tour these days, you know, starting moving forward. Even if, the, you know, Fed, like, I hope, you know, I would assume FedEx is going to stay a sponsor. I don't know. I, I don't know because it's, well, it's, if, if it's not the PGA Tour. Does that void their contract? I don't know. Well, the PGA Tour is still going. That's always weird. Like, I don't. That's the other thing. It's like the PGA Tour I would is going to they exist. Are. But this is. But this is another part of it. But that's that we, where it but, could be bad. Well, though. like with the live split. You know what else 
the live split unintendedly did. Like, I think we were pretty clear. Like, we didn't. We weren't. We were against it simply from a competition standpoint. It was yes. going to make the competition worse. Yes. One of the other byproducts that clearly happened, and we saw, we've seen it this year, and really we've seen it starting at like the last half of the golf year. The major championships now are all that matter. And because of that, the FedEx Cup, the FedEx Cup playoffs, all of that was greatly diminished. Mm-hmm. And if you're FedEx and you're sitting there going, we just re up for this. Mm-hmm. We I believe re- it's like a te- it was like a new 10 year deal. Through 2027. Yeah. Through 2027. And, you know, originally it was to get the WGC. Well, then they get rid of the WGCs. Mm-hmm. Then they make it a playoff event. And, Listen, it's still, as something to go do, as an event, a social event, it's still fun. It was clearly nowhere near the golf competition that the WGC was. That was the, that was the, well, the, the, I just say the 2019 WGC, the first one. Yes. Was fant- it was just fantastic. Yeah, and then the, the 2020. It might have been, been hard to top even without COVID. COVID obviously was a huge wrench in sort of the momentum of all. There's of that. no question on that. But like, in terms of, I have seen, but yeah, I was a like little concerned, dad, especially. My dad, ha- my dad was playing in the Pro-Am the day I was born and had to miss the Pro-Am. Like, that's how deep my roots with this tournament go. I volunteered mm-hmm. at Like, mm-hmm. that was the greatest tournament we've had. In 2019. Yes. Right? Yeah. With, that that opening, that scene of Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy teeing off at one, I'll always remember. But, it. like, the whole thing, the Saturday, Rory's charge. Yeah. Like, having all of those guys, like, you turn around, like, there's... Yeah. Like, there's Bryson, there's Brooks, there's DJ, like, there's Rory. Like, you just, it yeah. was unreal. Yeah. It was something unlike we've ever seen. And I think it was, what, 48 of the 50, top 50 in the world were there? Something like that. Like, it was something absurd. But because of the restructuring everything, the tournament has been diminished, and FedEx's, the FedEx Cup has been diminished. And so if you're FedEx, yeah. aren't you sitting there going, hey, man. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was, I think it was too soon. Like, I think this year was going to be a – like, last year was the first year where you could have cra- real crowds again since COVID hit, and it was top 125 in the FedEx Cup standings. Remember that was here? I was a little con- – I am a little concerned about this year's event because it's now the second FedEx Cup playoff event as opposed to the first, and so it's only top, like, 70. So you're only going to have 70 golfers here, and it feels like – I don't – I think it might have been less because, you know, they had to restructure the FedEx Cup – I think because it's because of okay. Well, whatever. It's a it's a it's not very many golfers, and then I don't think is there a cut. There's no cut. There's no cut. But it was just like that second FedEx Cup playoff event is never that exciting if you go back and you know right. It kind of like ultimately like there's I don't know. I guess there is a cutoff for the top thirty five or top twenty five. But um, I was a little concerned about like just the. The atmosphere, not necessarily the atmosphere, but just the vibe of having that few golfers here. To your point, this tournament last year was played in Wilmington, Delaware. Mm-hmm. The human rain delay, Patrick Cantlay, mm-hmm. knocked off Scott Stalling, shout out Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, by a shot. Okay. That, that's Yeah. So, I mean, didn't Cantlay win the FedEx Cup then, the next week? No, Rory won. Remember? Oh, Rory, won you're right. You're Rory right. won the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Who needs majors when you get a Super Bowl? But so my question is, three of them. like, I do wonder, like, I don't know what the actual truth is here, but I do think, like, this can either be good or this can be bad for the Memphis tournament. And I'm not sure there's, like, an in-between because I just, 
I have my doubts that they're going to continue. Is there still going to be a FedEx Cup playoff? Because that would be the status quo. It just stays a FedEx Cup playoff event. I don't know. And I don't know. Um, maybe the Fed, maybe FedEx becomes the sponsor of the regular season of golf, and then mm-hmm. the live whatever team golf becomes fall season. I don't know. But when I talk, I talked to Jack Sammons earlier today. I mentioned that, and and you know his his thing is that that what the card we've got. He said it is like FedEx is you know how important their sponsorship is to the PGA Tour. And yeah, but if you're if you're Saudi Arabia, like that's the thing. FedEx has been the number one cash cow for the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. You just got Saudi cash. Yeah. No, his, his as as he put it though, he thinks he hopes I think that the FedEx sponsorship got enhanced today. Um, but there's so many details, nobody has a clue what's going on. None of our staff had any heads up on heads up about this. Um, but he said, as the eternal optimist, he's going to assume this will be better for Memphis, and I hope so too. Like I love that golf. I love covering that golf event. It's like one of my highlights of every year for me. It's one of the best events to go to. Um, it's like where you you can. It feels like you see the whole city of Memphis out there. Or excuse, I shouldn't say the whole city of Memphis, but you see more. I feel like I run into more people there uh, than any other event I go to. Yeah, it's a big will. walking and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like uh, let's just be honest. Golf is not the most, most diverse sport. Uh, so you're not seeing all of Memphis. Let's be very clear <laughs> at the at the you know at a uh, TPC Southwind, but you're seeing a lot of people, and it's I, like I said, it's it's as good as any event in town. Uh, you know, and the history of it is is deep, and so I just all hope right. I hope today's news I hope today's news leaves leaves our event alone. All right, here's my tell the truth about all this. Mm. Jay Monahan should be fired. Yes, 100. percent PGA Tour Commissioner. Yes, he has dropped the ball from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. If you were going to do this, you should have done this from the get-go. If you were going to mer- if, if merging was an option, it should have been done. It should have been you should have headed headed this off at the pass. Like there's no like he I just don't understand. Like he negotiated this deal. Like I don't see how he can keep his job. I assume what he did, and this it's like a I assume this is like an episode of Succession, Succession, where he probably negotiated a pretty sweet deal for him. I think he probably knows he's done. And he's gone because if you want to talk about a truly great spectator sport, how much would you pay to be in on that PGA Tour player meeting today? Pissed off golfers? Yeah. That would be, he's going to be just sitting there taking arrows. But here's why he should really be fired. He should have been fired long ago, but I don't know why they kept him. They chose to. This very idea was presented to them four years ago. And, Mark, it included funding not from the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, but from SoftBank, Mm -hmm. which has public investment fund money. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, under 10%. Mm -hmm. And this was presented to them. And they said, under no circumstances, we do not negotiate with terrorists. Like, they started doing that. And that's when the whole smear campaign went on. And so then they took this whole moral high ground. You start trudging your players out there, yeah. sitting there making them human shields, all the while when you sit there and you have this opportunity where you find out your attorneys say, hey, buddy, we're probably not going to win in court, and also we really don't want them taking a look at the books. And then all of a sudden you create this, you, you create this merger and this deal, and you sit next to the chairman of the public investment fund, on CNBC and you act like nothing's wrong, like, F that guy. Like, screw him. This is why, like, you don't ever, 
don't just promote the guy. Like he's he's ruined the tour in general. Like he's wanted everything to be a marketing thing. Like you know, wasting money on. We spent twenty million dollars to redo the Players Championship trophy, and we now have a theme, and everything has just become a marketing tool. It's like you've made the tour soulless, and it's not fun. And good riddance. Screw you. I hope you're gone, and I hope you're gone with no money. You've yeah, already had plenty. Don't know if that's going to happen. I know, yeah. but I can hope. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I, I think it's a terrible. I, I I just don't understand. Like you should have done this if you were willing to do this. You should have done it, and, that, and then it brings up all sorts of questions. Like why now? Is it because uh, I, I, it's because the antitrust suits? Yeah, like w- what was going to be revealed in those lawsuits that like you you know like okay we better just close up shop here. Well, I think it was either going to be it was going to be a couple of things. There's only so many. They things haven't actually been operating as a nonprofit, which is what I suspect. Well, a they don't want those books open. Yep. B I suspect there's some paper trails that they don't mm. want made public. Like perhaps just out of thin air, maybe the PGA Tour hired mm-hmm. crisis actors for the 9/11 fund families. They mm. maybe maybe all of a sudden that wasn't just uh, speculation again. Perhaps. I'm throwing out things that they could find under the hood. Yeah. Um, I presume you also don't want a lot of the conversations that you probably had to, quote-unquote, save the tour. I imagine that there are some some things and details you don't want out there. What What is, like, I'm, I'm going to be honest, this is uncomfortable for me. Like, I, what about all these media members who... Well, they bought they bought the hook, line, and sinker. Like, they bought they bought the PGA yeah, Tour. PS. It's going to be, like, I, it's hard. Uh, they'll do what they always do. They'll just move on to a next, the next thing, and yeah. they'll act like it, they'll ignore. There's a lot like of golf happen. media who was just openly anti-live. Yeah, but like, think about the people that you read and you respect. Like Bob Harrod covered it. Like he didn't. Bob never. Bob mm-hmm. didn't go out like that. Like oh no no, no that, yeah. It was. I feel like Bob Harrod. It, it felt was like okay. it was always like columnists that flew in. It's like. Yeah, well, you're right, and it was like Eamon Lynch, Eamon, and Eamon. Eamon Lynch, and uh, Brandel, it's a tough Brandel Chambly. It's going to be hard for him. But they also like he said this is the worst day in golf history. Correct, but like let's also like let's keep this in mind. They both are employed by PGA Tour partners. Yeah, like yeah, no, they were, yeah, they're, they're not they're not unbiased commentators. And then what about Phil? Does Phil's legacy? I don't like so, his his legacy. It felt like. Had been tarnished by this a bit, certainly. You know, like, and I shouldn't even say a bit, quite a bit. It oh. felt like he was being thought of. He was thought of totally differently because of all of this. Does this vindicate him in any way? Does he get? He he tweeted a. This is I believe he tweeted something along the lines of this is a good day. By the way, that's a guy I think probably knew some details no, about he, this too. When he started, when he got back on Twitter and he was talking big, and we should have made that should have been a tell. So I had this conversation with my dad. His being an f- awesome day today is what he tweeted with after over the news that PGA Tour merged with Live. Being a Phil fan has been like a wonderful emotional like study for mm. for me as a human being. I was talking to my dad this morning. I was like, "Does this mean that like when history's written, Phil's going to be like some type of pioneer and some type of hero?" And he came up with something pretty reassuring for me. Give him five minutes; he'll do something else. Phil is Phil. I do think, though, like, I mean, he can he can claim victory. I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. I still think, though, he wasn't being altruistic. Like, in the end, he clearly needed money, and that's why he did this. It wasn't like he was trying to change golf. 
All mm. right, enough on that. Let's turn yeah. our attention to the NBA playoffs. Let's discuss that. Maybe some college football. We'll do all that with Tim Murray next, right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Giannotto and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannotto and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Tim Murray is the co-host of v Live's Primetime, airing from 5 until 8 p.m. He's also the co-host of... College football, Vsin's college football betting and college football and basketball betting podcast. He's on Twitter at one Tim Murray. Tim, did Game Two change your opinion about the NBA Finals? Uh, not really. Um, it just proved that you know the Miami Heat, and this is a compliment to the Heat. They're cockroaches that you just can't put them away. Um, you know the the stat that's out there that. They are now four and five this postseason when trailing by eight or more entering the fourth quarter. And the rest of the NBA, I believe this postseason is one and 41 uh, in that with that same particular circumstance. I mean, it's it's just wild. And it's a testament to them. Um, And, you know, they're they continue to have different role players step up. All that being said, I think, and I said this about the Celtics series and was wrong, but almost right, but still was wrong. I just think Denver all around is a better team. Michael Porter Jr. has been off um, defensively. He was, you know, he was all over the place in that uh, in game two. And, you know, I'd be curious. I mean, you hear coaches call out teams kind of in like these let down spots in a college football season or in the dog days of the NBA season. You almost never hear a coach call out his team in the NBA finals. Yeah. So I'm curious how that's going to play and if we, you know, we get a little bit more of a buttoned up Denver team because here's the thing. They lost, Denver lost, 
and they blew the lead, but they did have the ball in the final possession for a chance to, to force overtime. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. Um, but no, I, I still think Denver wins. Um, you know, I I you know came on the show and said I bet Denver minus one and a half. Uh, you can now get that for plus money. So uh, certainly not feeling ultra fantastic about uh, where we stand there. But at the end of the day, I still think Denver gets it done because I just think Denver's a better team. Yeah, it's been one of those. Like I didn't really overreact to either game because you know we you and I've talked about it. The result in Game 1 was largely predictable. I think it goes back to 2005. The home team in Game 1 was like 16-2, and and I think maybe now 17-2, and and they were like 15-3 and against the spread. So they typically win pretty comfortably in Game 1. And then in Game 2, I looked at it and said, well, Miami, who has been a very good three-point shooting team throughout the playoffs, other than the Knicks series, like they shot the ball incredibly well, mm-hmm. and they won. But like... It's feel I feel like for me like this has been kind of a defining characteristic of the playoffs. I watch a game and then afterwards I have no idea what to expect and so I just find myself falling back on what you're saying like I think Denver has the better roster but at the same time like I'm not I'm not going to rule out Miami because here we are. No, I'm definitely not going to rule out Miami because they've they've proven that over over a pretty decent sample size. They beat Milwaukee as a massive underdog. They beat Boston as a massive underdog and they've they're now 1-1 against Denver. So, yeah, you definitely can't rule them out. But, you know, it, it feels like now, and you guys know how <laughs> I like to uh, I like to bet, uh, it, it feels like now, you know, prior to this series, my neighbor popped his head over his fence and said, uh, you know, uh, don't count out Jimmy Butler. Don't count out the heat. And I, I, I still feel like, look, Miami absolutely could win this NBA Finals at this point, it, it shouldn't surprise us, but it would surprise me because I just think Denver's better, better team. And you know, while everyone was talking about Miami and how well they've played, Denver was kind of doing the same thing. I mean, they were an underdog to Phoenix, right? There were people who believed after Game One that you know the Lakers had unlocked something defensively on Nikola Jokic, and Denver ends up sweeping that series. So. And that's the beauty of of the NBA Finals. And when you've got an elite coach like Eric Spolstra, he made a tweak putting Kevin Love into the starting lineup. And despite the fact of him, you know, ranting and raving to Ramona Shelburne saying it was a dumb question. I mean, what he what they did was kind of the blueprint of what so many people uh, said they should do, which is kind of guard Jokic in isolation and try to take away his facilitating. But I'll say this, too, about Jokic and the five assists. He still made some pretty darn good passes, and they just weren't hitting shots. So we'll see if some of those shots ultimately fall, you know, tomorrow night in uh, in game three. Yeah, I think that's kind of the other question that I have. How much do you think of Miami's offensive success in game two was what they were doing versus really what Denver wasn't doing? I, I think it. I think it was a... A little bit of both, too, right? I mean, Duncan Robinson. I mean, he, I, there's something magical about this this Heat team uh, because Duncan Robinson was, you know, banished to the bench, and oh my God, this eighty million dollar contract that he got is the worst thing ever, and they were trying to secretly shop him, and now he's, you know, 
driving to the bucket and flexing on dudes. I'm like, what what is going on here? Um, but I think, you know, when you're leaving uh wide open shooters for for the heat, I mean that's that's gonna come back to bite you in the butt. And you know, we saw that in game one right out of the shoot. Um yeah thinking back to the game though, I mean there were a couple moments where so Miami comes out, throws a couple big punches, right? They have yeah. the double-digit lead, and then Denver takes the lead back early in the second quarter. And at that point, I'll be honest, I'm like, all right, I'm good. I think I'm we in, all, I think we I'm all in, were. It, it I'm was in good shape here. I and think everybody make, was thinking like the same thing, which is okay. That was Miami's best punch. And then they make this little run at the end of the half, and I'm like, ah, still up six. All right, fine. And. And then you know it it just felt like it was they were on cruise control and and that maybe that's what ultimately hurt them but you know you can't leave Gabe Vincent and Max Struess wide open for threes and you know that that has kind of improved out here so yeah I, I think that's I think you're gonna see a, a Denver team a little more buttoned up I expect you know we saw the total uh, go over in game two under in game one. Um, you know, the market's kind of coming back towards the under. I, I would expect that. I think you're going to get a little more intensity from this Denver team on the defensive side of the ball, and that's why the market's moving a little bit that way. You know, open 216.5, down to 214.5, um, even some 214s out there. So, you know, I think people are expecting that this is going to be a more defensive type of game because the possessions really – just haven't been there, right? You need these, you know, big time shot making performances. So, yeah, I think you know under could be a look for this game, but uh, I, I truly believe Denver wins this game. You know, uh, I saw a crazy stat now because I, you know, I played the money line for this money line around minus one thirty five. But uh, Ralph Michaels pointed this out on Twitter. He said since 07, favorites of six points or less that won the game. Covered the spread. They're seventy-two zero and two ATS. So basically, what he's saying is, the history tells you instead of doing what I did, which was lay the money line, just lay the points. And yeah, that in the NBA Finals, that will come home. All right, and then last thing: how surprised would you? How surprised would you be? Forget your bet, but how surprised mm-hmm. would you be if this doesn't go back to Denver at least two-two? Um. Denver's getting a win. I- I'll say this: I would be more surprised if it's three-one Miami. Yeah. Then three-one Denver. Denver. Yeah. Then three. I I think I think if we did it, it my rankings would be this: two-two is the most likely. Three-one Denver. Three-one Miami. That would be my order. I-, I I would be stunned if Miami won both of these games. It's, stunned. It doesn't it feel like it feels like they've got enough. They'll have one game in Miami where they'll shoot the ball like they did in game two, and they'll yep. win that, and they'll go back to Denver, two-two. I just. It kind of feels a little bit to me, Mark, kind of like the Phoenix series. Now, I, I know it went Denver 2, Phoenix 2, mm-hmm. but to me, and this is obviously wishful thinking because I have the you know Denver minus one and a half bet, but I kind of feel like it's going to go you know, split in Miami, Denver wins game five, yeah. and then Denver wins it in game six in yeah. Miami. That's just that's just how I feel it right now. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but that, that's just my – gut telling me but yeah i think the most likely scenarios is it's 2-2 going back to denver i w- i would be less surprised if it was denver 3-1 than miami 3-1 buddy i know you got to run we appreciate your time 
Of Thanks, course, Tim. guys. Talk to you next week. That is Tim Murray of VSIN Prime Time. Yes. My 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 feeling coming out of game two, I said this yesterday, was Miami showed me they've they've got it in them to make it a long series. I still would pick Denver to win the series. I didn't nothing Miami did in that game made me go. Denver can't adjust to this, or Denver won't. Like, they figured something out about the Nuggets. The only hesitation that I have is that we have seen Miami shoot 45% or better in two other no, playoff I, series. I, I, I guarantee you there are Bucks fans, Knicks fans. Yeah, like, and, like uh, we've been here, boys. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we said that, too, after game mm-hmm. two. Yeah, there's no way they're yeah. going to shoot like eh. this for four games. No, no way. Well, the other thing in the back of my mind, if you're a Nuggets fan— are you are you concerned that there hasn't been like the Jimmy Butler game yet? I wonder if he has it in him with that ankle that's injury. That's what cuz to me like that's the thing. It's like have we not seen the Jimmy Butler game? I think if because, you watch him he's treating it more like LeBron did in the playoffs now where he's like facilitating he's and he's yeah. like he's he's conserving and then cuz he knows in the fourth quarter they're going to need him. Yeah. That's I mean I I just think if you look at his numbers let's see here. You look at his numbers since that injury. When did he suffer that injury? It was like game one of the of the uh of the Knicks series, correct? Yes. So if you look at his numbers, I mean he had the twenty nine point game against Boston in game four. I mean he had twenty eight in game seven. You know, I know that was kind of a blowout. Um was game five the one where he had like twenty one, but it was like the grossest twenty one you've ever seen? It was game four. It was nine of twenty-one from the field, and he had twenty-nine. What was what were his numbers in game? Game one, he had thirty-five. Though I guess he had he's had big games since that injury. Like he missed. Remember, he missed game two of the of the Knicks series, if I'm not mistaken. the The biggest question that I still have is Mike Malone made it seem like the defensive struggles were effort problems. Mm-hmm. Would you excuse me, Michael? Beg your pardon, Michael Malone. Yes. Would you agree that was kind of what he was? That was what he was putting oh, out. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the vibe. You know, like it was miscommunication. He was saying like miscommunication. It was like yeah. execution, if you will, not necessarily what they were doing. And I just wonder though. It's a lot like you know, if you know a team, if you know a defense had likes to play man coverage, and you run crossing patterns, like oftentimes they can get like caught up in the wash, like. Mm-hmm. I do acknowledge that part of the miscommunication could have been Eric Spolster, who's a great coach, saw something on films like, I think we can attack them like this. Now, it doesn't mean that Denver can't adjust, but Tim does bring up a good point. Have we ever seen a coach call out his team in the playoffs, like in game two in the finals? Like, we've seen a coach call his team out in the playoffs, but it's usually when a team's done. I feel like game two of the finals, that's, that's a little different. I tend to think he knows the pulse of that team. Like, I think that seems pretty obvious. But that that is something to watch in Game 3. Um, By the way, we've got, I don't know if you, we have on uh, Golf Today, they have a camera of players entering the players-only meeting. Oh, nice. Because it starts here at 3, because now the new vibe is this is, they're calling it a merger. This isn't really a merger. It's like more, you know, like there's a vibe that nothing's really going to change other than there's going to be a lot of Saudi money infused. Well, now the vibe is this is the end of live. Mm. Because the Saudis never really cared about live in general, which I do th- I think this is entirely possible. 
The Saudis did not, in my opinion, care about running golf. They mm-hmm. wanted a significant presence in golf for business interests. For business yeah. interests. And now they do. And now, like, Liv is hemorrhaging money. They're getting rid of Norman, clearly. Like, it seems obvious to me they don't really care about whether or not Live Golf is successful. They just want to be, they want to be a part of the golf world. Yeah. I think if it if it's just that, like just the infuse, like that's good for Memphis. I think it's better. It's be- I feel better. Let me say, it. I, feel I feel better. better. Yeah, I feel better. Like that, we'll be taken care of, if you will. All right. Lastly, before we take a break and get to the list, what's the next sport we need the Saudis to fix? My thought. No, I don't want more Saudi involvement. I, I'm, I'll, I'm dealing with it now. I don't want more. Can I interest you in college football? No, no, no. Listen, who better to get everyone on board than people that you're truly afraid if they'll cut your head off? <laughs> no, no. That's How too, good too volatile. The Aramco college football playoff. Jeffrey, Bowl games named after Saudi princes. I'm willing. They, Think how sweet the grab bags would be for the players. I'm putting up with it with F1, with the soccer players, with whatever. I, and like, listen, if they if they if they end up buying an NFL team or whatever, a league, the NFL or the NHL or the NBA or whatever, because they can invest in them. I don't know if quietly in the new collective bargaining agreement you saw the Saudis are oh, going to yeah. be allowed to. Well, they, you know, they, they can't be majority owners, well, they, you, but they can they, invest in teams. They lost some Saudi. They lost uh, China cash. Yeah, so they got to get back. <laughs> You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.